You, me, and HIFMB. Stories of science and the sea. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the HIFMB podcast. In this one, I talk to Lucy Kuksanski, one of our fine postdocs, who, among various other projects, is uh, currently in the midst of publishing a really interesting project on extinction debt. And with that, we go into why certain targets for biodiversity management might not be ideal, talk about her life through academia and why La Rochelle is the best city of the world. Then about French wine, obviously. We also talk about at the very end about why academics tend to get stuck in academia, but why academia might not be the only option for us academics. So definitely stick around until the end. There's a whole lot of valuable information in this and thoughts that need to be discussed a bit. That's why we decided to make this a one-hour episode. So without further ado, I give you Lucy. Hello and welcome everybody to the next episode of the HFMB podcast. And today I have Lucy Kuczanski. Kuczanski. Kuczanski, damn it. <laughs> from, from France, that's why that's hard. It's actually a Polish name. It's a Polish <laughs> name, but that's not how Polish would say it, right? No, actually the Polish would say it like the German. Yeah. So like usually here people say it the proper way, okay. but that's not how I grew up. Like when I grew up, like yeah. I would say it Kuczanski. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit confusing when I arrived here. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Lucy. <laughs> so you are a community ecologist? I am a community ecologist. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, at, at the ACBM, not at the HIFMB. Exactly. So, so, so this is a novel thing. Um, Lucy is actually, she works at HIFMB physically? Like you have an office here, right? I do have an office here. Uh, and it started first because uh, I was commuting here to get German classes. Yeah. Which eventually I didn't go through with but <laughs> not the point uh and so <laughs> and so i asked helmut if i could have an office here because it would be more convenient to meet up with him yep. um because i'm in his working group uh in, in this dynacom uh project but i'm actually icbm so yep. yeah helmut hillebrand our yep. our institute leader okay um and and what do you, so, so oh yeah icbm that stands for the institute Institute of so it's in German, but it's Institute of Chemistry and Marine Biology. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Biology, yeah. Biology des Meeres. Yeah. Oh, so so what what we both are technically employed in, um, as is. Oh, so you're actually not HIFMB, are you? I I am I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am employed. I, I work at HIFMB and I'm employed through the uni. So oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and the Institute of uh, the chemistry and marine biology <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right okay and what does your work involve here what's your so i'm i'm uh, a postdoc uh in the in the dynacom project which is a research unit funded by the dfg mm-hmm. uh, so now we're in the second phase of it uh and and dfg is the deutsche forschungsgesellschaft so the german the, uh <laughs> like research it's, yeah, yeah it's like yeah exactly yeah. it's like the like basically, they're funding research. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, and so we are in the second phase now. The the first phase was uh, understanding diversity, uh, mostly in the Frisian island, like Spiekeroog mm-hmm. and Nordenine and and others. Um, and so understanding diversity, both in the terrestrial part of the system of the island, mm-hmm. but also so plants and like macroinvertebrates and and but also more on the uh, marine side of the system so mm-hmm. you know really where you have like the tide like coming and and this interface between like the two systems so really trying to link those two and having common measure you know how do you compare plants and birds uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to traits like two two different attributes because you can describe a, a bird with his its wings mm-hmm. but probably not a plant right like yeah. and, and the plant is more about like the um, maybe some chemical reaction like the photosynthesis mm-hmm. but obviously a bird is not doing it and yeah. so it's how do, how do you find those common features mm-hmm. to be able to compare them and say that's how this system responds to stress or to whatever using the straight so that was the first phase uh and now we're in the second phase mm-hmm. uh which is how, how long was the first phase so the f- so it's like one of the last dfg research unit that worked like that but the first phase was three years mm-hmm. so you get like phd students getting a lot of samples and and so on right the second year is also three years and then you have a third phase mm-hmm. 
which is two years where it's uh, you're not getting new data, but um, you're putting everything together. It's like really like the big uh, synthesis uh, part of the project. But so basically research units from the DFG, and I think that's true for all of them, but I'm not sure, mm. <laughs> um, are eight year long. So okay. it's it's usually like pretty big project. Yeah. Um, and so actually in the, the Dynac, they also have like those artificial islands. So mm -hmm. if you go to Spiegel, you have like those uh, 12 islands. So now they, um, the setup changed a little bit and especially there were storms and, and so. Yeah, didn't, them. didn't they lose one? Uh, I th I think we lost two. Two. Oh. Uh, I don't know if it was two or three, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah we, okay. we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw them uh, on Spiegel Oak once. Helmut, yeah, Helmut yeah. showed them to me. No, and uh, yeah, it was like I remember when I applied to this project, it was like they just built islands. Yeah, like it's like oh, okay, uh, my bad. It was really, really impressive. So yeah, that's that's the Dynacom. Yeah. Uh, or is it the Biff made actually? Yeah, just for for visualization. So they're like, how big are they? Like six meters? Yeah, long? Uh, and yeah, and maybe like two or two three meters, meters yeah. uh, wide. Yeah, and, and then you have like different levels. Um, of elevation that are actually um, um, reflecting the elevation you have a little bit more inland ah, and so you have like right. different stress level when yeah. it comes to tide and like to um, um, the water level mm. uh, basically so yeah yeah they're really cool yeah. if you're ever yeah. on Spiegel Oak check it out yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if you can go if you don't have uh, you know an authorization to oh, go there okay, like right. that's what I was wondering yeah okay. if you're in Spiegel actually don't go <laughs> <laughs> but you can actually see them from Google Maps I think yeah yeah so it's like tiny like it's tiny points but you can definitely see them which I feel oh, right. like it's like yeah uh, and I probably from Google Earth too I don't know I don't have Google Earth but wow. yeah Oh, it's okay. like the Chinese wall. You can see it from space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not from space. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so so the second phase is a little bit more about understanding the effect of disturbances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, heat waves and, and storms. And, and so how does that affect those different systems? Um, so that's the... <coughs> sorry. No the, the, um, the overall goal of, mm -hmm. of Dynacom, but also um, really having this functional perspective into it. So having species traits, because not all species are the same. And mm -hmm. so, but again, how do you compare, you know, a mite, a bird and a plant, yeah. which it's not that straightforward. Yeah. Uh, we actually got our retreat and it was always like, well, yeah, no, it's definitely not that easy. Uh, how, what are those traits? So like coming with... Um, dimensions that yeah, make what, yeah, sense I was gonna, was gonna um, say. like you know for instance how does a species move through mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. which for plants it's it would be related to the seeds yeah. mostly yeah or to the fact they are actually using um animals to disperse mm -hmm. uh, but then you still have this common thing that mm. all species in some extent do they, they do uh disperse or, or move um they do have to deal with uh their environment so mm -hmm. A very common one is the thermal niche, right? Mm -hmm. Which is true for um, you can be an ectotherm, which means you don't regulate, right? Like your temperature, your internal temperature, but you can also be an endotherm, and then you still have like a niche and a thermal niche. So mm -hmm. you have like those some dimensions are actually comparable through different taxonomic groups. So yeah, that's like also one of the go, and then also the inter interactions between species. So regardless of what you are um, species-wise, either someone is trying to eat you or you're trying to eat someone mm. or both, right? And so you, you always have those trophic interactions, um, also competition between species. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of start to compare things based on that. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely one of the big challenge uh, and putting that really also in the, in the traffic context, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, really having the who's hitting whom uh, yeah, yeah. idea and how is it impacted by disturbances and is it the same in the terrestrial system or the marine system yeah. um, and what's the stability of, of the entire system and the resilience. So it's, it's, it's a really, really um, dense project, I would yeah. say. Oh, basically. definitely, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's also why there are 10 sub-projects, right? Mm, like, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's not one person uh, dealing with all of that. It's it, definitely like a, a big, like... And, and you you have been involved in it for how long? 
so I arrived in, in the um, middle of the first phase. So I guess it was like a, a year, year and a half. A little bit, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then I... I 2020. I, yeah, 2020. Yeah. Uh, and then... And we are almost in 2023. Yeah. And yes. so it's been a, basically a... So was it two years? I don't know, <laughs> 2020. And uh, we started the second phase this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, uh, wow. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and and one of the um one of the papers that that caught my attention why why I I thought you'd be cool to interview here um was the so something on extinction debt. Yeah. That is not related to Dynacom though, right? So um it, it, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually it wasn't. It was a it's it's been a project I have in my mind since my PhD mm -hmm. which was about how diversity is changing over time. Mm -hmm. And how the underlying processes are changing over time. So that was like really like the core of my PhD um, thesis. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I started to think about the idea that maybe diversity is not responding to environmental changes right away, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and then. So if if temperature changes, biodiversity doesn't change immediately. Yeah, after. exactly. Yeah. And so, but but how do you know, right? Yeah. So that that's kind of the key question here is. How do you know that if you don't see anything, it's not because there is nothing to see, but it's just because there is nothing to see yet. Yes. Yeah. And and um, so yeah. Then during my my first postdoc, I didn't really have time to to work on that, <laughs> and and it was not really like on the topic. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I I I um got the job interview for Dynacom. Eventually, you know, you always have like the the person interviewing you is well. Do you have questions yeah. i was like yes i do actually would you mind if we work on 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 those questions that are slightly unrelated so from the very beginning <laughs> i think helmut knew that i wanted to work on that and i think he was also really into the the topic yeah yeah it's he, like pretty timely right yeah, um, he shows it in all of his talks yeah. <laughs> he shows your figure with the with the uh lag oh yeah, yeah 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 um and and so um so we started to work on that uh it's it's been a fairly long process so we actually submitted once mm -hmm. and it got rejected um and and then we for good reasons uh definitely definitely improved the paper yeah um and so it required like a bunch of extra work and so now we got it submitted but uh it's it's not i feel extension depths are are a very specific idea of how do you measure lag so that's why we like now i try to not talk about it that much but it's right. definitely a delay in response diversity um, in in, the, in um, the response of diversity or a lag, but yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's not related to Dynacom. We actually um, looked at freshwater fish mm -hmm. uh, in Europe because now you have like this really nice and neat and kind of awesome database of uh, <laughs> freshwater time series. Yeah, um, what's it called? Reef Fish Time. Um, okay. Yeah, and it's been published, I think. It was two years ago now, so in 2020. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, but it's constantly updated since then? or? Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, right. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, it's not like the bio time where you have a lot of... Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the, the bio time is because I think the source, um, the different sources is way more diverse in terms of data. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit more messy when you get it like the row thing and so it, it takes way more time yeah and since okay. i kind of i feel like a little bit more comfortable with freshwater fish yep. just because my phd was about freshwater fish so mm -hmm. i know where to find the data and so i found well you know we're just gonna go for that yeah because i know where to find things yeah um and so yeah so we we, we try to see well is what we're observing because you know we know that a bunch of species are going extinct in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you would expect to see a global uh, loss of... The, which we do in some extent. But if you look at species richness yeah. trends, so just the number of species mm -hmm. across the world, you have a lot of studies showing that on average, the number of species are inc is increasing. Yeah, exactly. And so you have this kind of discrepancy between like what you see at the species level and what you see at the community level. Mm -hmm. And so there are a bunch of different explanations, but one of them is that actually it takes time to the community to respond to the environmental change yeah and so that's this idea of delay yeah uh so we wanted to see if if those delays are, are uh, that common 
um, if it could be an actual explanation mm -hmm. and how do you measure them? And, and uh, the measuring part is kind of boring in some extent, a little bit more technical, but yeah. um, they are actually fairly common. And, and so what we found is that, you know, you would expect that if the environment is not changing, mm -hmm. the diversity is not changing. Yeah. But long story short, what we found is that, yes, it should increase a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even if nothing is changing, because your communities are not at the equilibrium yet with their environment, mm -hmm. you can still have some room to increase the number of species at a, at a um, local community. Okay. So the baseline is a, an increase. Mm -hmm. And so what we found is we actually don't increase as much as we should yeah. under, like, you know, if nothing was happening. Yeah. We didn't look yet at the environmental drivers that could be, um, you know, oh, okay. uh, like resulting in this mm -hmm. um, because the, the study was already quite a lot. And so we thought the drivers would be uh, for another um, paper yeah. or, or um, something. But yeah, so we don't really know what are the actual driver. Mm -hmm. Because it's freshwater fish, it's probably temperature because they're yeah. really sensitive to temperature. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was a really global pattern. We saw that, yes, it's actually delayed pretty much everywhere. By how long is it delayed for, for when it comes to reef, uh, uh, river fish? So, like, the, the way we did it, it, it cannot tell you exactly yeah. um, the the year, the, the number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's also another thing. Yeah. Which, uh, for now, is a little bit frustrating because we know it's delayed. Um And I actually didn't look at that. I think it would be possible yeah. uh, if I really compare it to the baseline, given the number of species richness uh, trends. Mm -hmm. So you can get kind of a number of species per year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a trend over time. And so I guess you can compare them and, and oh. probably find like yeah. how much uh, it's delayed by. Yeah. But we didn't look at that. We know also like there's this bias due to the, um, to the time series length, mm -hmm. right? And so, because if you get a short time series, you have less data to estimate your trends and so it might be a little bit more biased. What we found is actually, if your expectation was um, a trend equal to zero, mm -hmm. um, you will, for, at least for the reef fish uh, data, mm -hmm. um, the, the time series length minimum should be 40 years, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, I know it's, like already really hard to get like time series of five years or 10 years, right? And so 40 years, it's just on average, the reef fish data are 20 years, which is already pretty, like pretty good. Like from a statistical point of view, you can do a lot of things with that. Mm -hmm. And so, but you know, then you have to say, well, actually we need 40 years now, guys. And and plus like, there is no way you can go back in time anyway. Yeah, so it's, exactly. you have to wait for 20 extra years. Um, knowing that it's actually going pretty bad. Uh, so you don't really have those 20 years to yeah, wait. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, right now, maybe summing all of this up and where this sits. Um, so uh, right now there's there's a lot of uh, voices in the scientific community to like come up with, or even in the policy sphere, to come up with a policy target similar for biodiversity, similar to the climate target, like two degrees or 1.5. Um, and now knowing all this, And that there is even even if you like biodiversity has many many layers, and it's not like uh, climate change where you have temperature as the one big driver in in global warming. Um, if you now were to to say okay we limit temperature to uh, the two degree target and then biodiversity will also improve, there's this lag effect that you now talk about right? Yeah. So um, and you don't first of all that we know there is a lag effect. We don't know how long it is though. And we don't know what the response in biodiversity will be maybe 40 years later. So Yeah, and, and it's probably actually way longer. I mean, there are a bunch of studies looking at the effect of the past glacial maximum on what we see today, right. which means that you can have lags of like 21,000 years. Yeah, okay. So, you know, then we were talking about, well, what are we going to do for like 2030? It's like, guys, yeah. yeah, like, um, but so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, changes this um i guess like f the framework it should like yeah. you know it's it, it doesn't make sense to say well if we improve by two degrees now mm -hmm. then biodiversity is gonna be fine yeah and that's it we're done problem no, solved um exactly it's, it's, it's it makes the problem i think 
a more complicated yes, and a, sure. a little bit more nuanced too yeah. because it's it's not a binary thing exactly which i guess it, it com- comes down to that like but also this binary aspect mm-hmm. um and in um conservation ecology or biology usually you have this kind of I, like my feeling, and I'm not a specialist, but it is, it is usually a binary point of view. But also because it's For sure, yeah. It, it it's you have to do it this way in some extent because it's like either you act on a system or you don't, and mm-hmm. this is it, it is binary. And so, how do you match that with what we were saying as ecologists? Well, it depends, right? Like that's our big thing. It's it, we don't want to be binary or just like give a threshold because for us it actually doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But on the other side eventually that's a binary thing so i feel like there's this translation in, in the two world mm. that is really really hard yeah this like uh study on on biodiversity um delays it's it's not helping yeah. in, no, in translating well, i mean it's it, it's a part of the, it's of the story yeah. yeah um but it's not helping in in having those like clear targets mm-hmm. uh quite the opposite because yes in top of saying, well, having a, a specific target it doesn't really make sense because of thresholds, and and mm-hmm. you and Helmut have been working on that. But yeah. um, it's well, what you're basing your thresholds on is actually not relevant because of those delays. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. Like the the um one one of the common assumptions is always that if we tackle climate change, we are also going to tackle the biodiversity crisis. But your your study now shows that this is probably not the case yeah, yeah and 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 um i mean and you also have like a bunch of literature saying it's not only about climate change right yeah. so you have climate change you have pollution you have urbanization you have non-native species yeah. you have all those different factors that usually act together like you have like those synergies between the the stressors mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's <laughs> climate change yeah it, it actually we do need to solve it definitely yeah. but um that's not the only problem. Yeah, but and biodiversity it, isn't a tag along to yeah, climate change. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not like a one to one relation. Exactly. Um yeah. so yeah, no, that's definitely perfect. That's perfect yeah. context. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Wait so and and it's you said it's submitted in uh So uh, yeah, uh in nature, ecology and evolution. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh we submitted um this in in September, basically. Okay. So now it's under review. Yeah. Um we don't have to think about it for a little bit, which yeah. is good. Uh, <laughs> and now, I, like, it's kind of terrible because I I gave a few talk talks on that, and so mm-hmm. people have feedback. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Actually, we didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like, it's more in the technical aspect, but it's like, yeah. well, now there is nothing I can do. It's under review, yeah, and, ex- and yes. now I have it in my mind. But if the reviewers don't point that out. Maybe I should still change it because it's actually a really good point, but also yeah. I'm adding myself like some work. So yeah, I maybe mean, they will. Hopefully, <laughs> okay. like somehow <laughs> for once, I really hope the reviewers will have like a you know really exhaustive like thing like things to yeah. uh, criticize. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep your eyes peeled for uh, this extinction debt project um, coming out in Nature, Ecology, and Evolution. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah hopefully. Cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and now let's get into you as a person as a okay. as an academic <laughs> um so the you you are like versed in community ecology temporal dynamics of diversity global change um yeah that's that's actually a pretty good summary yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, and shaping diversity across scale uh, processes shaping diversity across scales it says on your cv yeah i love that uh, <laughs> that's a cool one um, um and this journey started for you in in bordeaux uh, well, your... so it was my undergrad that I did in Bordeaux in mm-hmm. France, um, which that's the moment where I started. So, and, and I don't know how it is in Germany, but in France, usually the first two years, um, of the undergrad are fairly general. So it's like biology. Okay. You might have one, uh, class that is ecology, but it's really broad ecology, right? Like you are learning what is, uh, an ecosystem and stuff like that. But right. then the third year yeah. is when you can specialize a little bit. And so that's, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what what it's like in Germany. I did my uh, oh, yeah. bachelor's in uh, Australia. Yeah. Uh, but the okay, so so that's why you then have the title Bachelor of Science Ecology or or the the degree or. So uh, I think, I w- if I had to do it in English, I don't know. 
Oh, and I guess it's in English, actually. Yeah. My, my CV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't read it Good, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's, you say ecology because of the last year mm -hmm. that gives you this kind of specialty. I yeah, mean, it's still an undergrad, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then, um, so that's when you, when you got... Or, or when did you get caught by the or, or bitten by the by the biology bug? Well, it was kind of funny. So it's like after high school, mm -hmm. you have to choose what you're gonna do with the rest of your life. That's why <laughs> your parents talk, like yeah. tell you usually, <laughs> which is a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> and it was always like, oh, I want to do this. So at some point, I was really into chemistry, which mm -hmm. would have been terrible for me. But uh, back then, we <laughs> didn't really realize that. Uh, I also really was uh, into uh, being a journalist. And then my mom mm -hmm. told me. Well, since you're a kid, you're so into animals. Mm -hmm. Why don't you keep going with that? Because, you know, you were like three years old and what you wanted to like have, it was like um, animal, like, you know, those books like telling you the tiger yeah. is in the jungle. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and also like all those like wildlife documentaries mm -hmm. and, the, and, and the TV. And so she was like, well, just keep going with that. Like you'll change it later if you don't like it. But It's something you've been into your entire life and it seems like pretty consistent over time. So probably it's going to stay the same way. Yeah. Uh, and so she was actually right. She was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so um, Bardo was um, the, the moment where it got a little bit more, um, um, not serious, but like a little bit more academic, let's yeah. put it this way. Um, but still, really liked it. Um, yeah. Are you from Bardo? No, I, I I moved quite a lot. So mm. um, I was born not that far from, I mean, not that close either, but um, a little bit south to Paris in mm. Orléans. Okay. Um, and then moved to La Rochelle, which is on the West Coast, mm. which is probably the best city in the world. Uh, and I feel like it's definitely <laughs> worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> I need to check it out. La, Ro La Rochelle? La Rochelle, yeah. Okay. It's like two words. Uh, but okay. it's actually a really, really nice city. Um, nice. The food is really nice. And... Uh, But then we moved to Bordeaux, where the food is also nice, but the wine is even better. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> it's actually known for that. Um, and, and yeah, so, um, yeah, and then moved to Toulouse. Sweet. Yeah, um, exactly. Masters, then in Toulouse. Yeah, so the master, um, the master, so again, not really sure how it is in the rest of the world, but in France, so usually the first year of the master, again, is fairly general, but in ecology, not in biology this time, right? It's a little bit more specific. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, you get your specialty. Um, and yeah. so yeah. Um, the, the second, the specialty I wanted to get was in Toulouse, and it was something really more about um, theories in ecology. So I, I don't remember the exact um, name of the master, but I think it was something like... Um, ecology and um and evolution and so it was like this really broad topic mm -hmm. where you're getting really into yeah those big theories we yeah. have in ecology and evolution it was really in the title actually uh, <laughs> and then eventually during my my um first year i had this class that everyone hated so <laughs> badly which was called um population dynamics and it's mm -hmm. all those really like mathematic heavy classes where you have like two um um calculate the jacobian matrix and and stuff like mm -hmm. and i was so into it nah. <laughs> <laughs> i was the only one being that into it <laughs> and so in toulouse they also have another master uh specialty which is the one i did which is the uh modeling one mm -hmm. yeah and so which has this kind of like math uh and and coding aspect that the other one doesn't really have mm -hmm. which and it has it's it's Uh, advantages and inconvenience i guess but um so yeah eventually that's what i did um what did you like about community or oh, population dynamics it was. well it was just like the, the 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 math part which yeah i i always kind that's of liked it but then like during high school i i kind of dropped it and yeah. so i started to be pretty bad at it okay yeah. i didn't really like it anymore Same. Uh, <laughs> but then i it was fairly easy if if, if it was it's really logical actually mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I really like this like logical thing, and yeah, yeah. It w that was it. And it, it was fairly straightforward. Also, I I thought, and um, I I remember thinking, I don't understand what is the link between again, like for instance, a Jacobian matrix mm -hmm. 
and actual ecology, right? Like if you go to the field, like how do you relate those two? Yeah. My takeaway a few years later is sometimes you can't. It's like <laughs> two different worlds, two different framework uh, frameworks, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have to force it. So, but back then I remember I was a little bit frustrating about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then in the modeling part, like that's, and especially like my master was a little bit, uh, like bias towards statistics mm -hmm. not that much like really mechanistic modeling yeah and so statistics are usually based on empirical data so that's also where you start to link back those like mm -hmm. you know um um math in a really broad way yeah. and and what you see on the field even though i don't go on, on the field so <laughs> <laughs> i don't see anything but you know <laughs> yeah you work with with Uh, existing data like that river fish time yeah. Uh, database yeah, yeah exactly so since um so my master project was uh, actually mechanistic modeling so yeah. I, we just created our data uh, but then um so my, the first year but then the second year it was on um fish phenology so when do they migrate yeah river fish again right yeah yeah, yeah it was really and yeah. i'm not a fish person <laughs> but it's just like it happened oh. to be um <laughs> during all my projects i've been working on fish um yeah. And so, yeah, so those ones were uh, data that were already available. It was time series from the 60s, right? And like daily, they were ac actually amazing. Um, it was like daily time series uh, <laughs> since the 60s. Um, from, from France. From France. It was yeah. just four sites. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, um, then we could get really like when do the fish are migrating. Uh, and it's actually pretty cool because it, so it was in um, at dams on the rivers. Mm -hmm. And so they would have a camera that would like count the the counts the fish yep. and identify them too mm -hmm. so it would be all automatic somehow oh shit, and nice. so yeah so obviously it was not like that in the 60s <laughs> yeah uh, but like the the more recent time series we had it was actually basically machine learning like doing like the mm. the work and so sometimes you would have to double check because depending on how the fish goes uh in front of the camera yeah. you know if it's a little bit like um, not really straight then like it's a little bit harder but uh, so the data were actually really cool um, <laughs> and then yeah during my PhD it was something pretty much like the refish um, refish time database yeah PhD uh, still in Toulouse still in Toulouse yeah, yeah. Uh, actually um, stay in Toulouse um, the food is also really good <laughs> <laughs> Um, the wine is also pretty good. So from La Rochelle, great food to great wine in Bordeaux and then, and then to great it, food again. In yeah, Toulouse. great food. Great beer also. Like the beer is not too bad even though okay. uh, I'm, I tend to say f in France we have like, not the best food, but we definitely have really, really good food. Better than <laughs> here. We have better wine. But when it comes to beers, I actually acknowledge that Germans might be better than us. Uh, um, okay. You know. <laughs> At least something. Yeah. Um, and I do like beer, so it, it actually matters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, um, so yeah, to do, uh, eventually stayed for my PhD. So, mm. uh, after my master project, my master advisor, uh, told me, well, if you want to, you could work on this project. So then you have this kind of exam, like mm. you have to get to get into the PhD. Um, oh yeah. Like, a honors in Britain so or? I actually have no idea. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's, um, It's it's not even a, an exam. It's really like you apply. So there are mm -hmm. a, there are different ways to get uh, your PhD funded in France. But the the one idea is the most like uh, common, I would say. So it's like through the Ministry of Research and Higher Education or something like that. Okay. Uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, and so you they have for each university a given number of um phds they are gonna fund and so you have to apply right so it's based on uh your grades during your master um and uh your master project i guess mm -hmm. and uh, i mean it's it's based on your grade and then you have this talk which is it's it's a little bit intense when you're just finishing up your master uh because it's like 15 minutes mm -hmm. and it has to be 12 minutes on your master project mm -hmm. and then three minutes on your phd project so it's something super unbalanced yeah and so you're trying to explain to a bunch of people and so and so the entire committee usually there are only two people in it who can understand what you're doing because the the it's basically for the all biology part of the university right so you have like people being uh, vet or people doing uh, cell biology. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but they're still part of the committee who's yeah. going to evaluate you. And uh, I think we have two or three ecologists who are not all community ecologists, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's actually kind of a, a weird experience when you're like a master's student and you don't necessarily feel super relevant, yeah, right? Yeah, and, exactly. and you might have this like fairly strong imposter syndrome and you arrive and you have like those 20 people in front of you and you like, have 15 minutes and mm. that's it. And, and, and three minutes to explain them what I'm going to do, which I mean, three minutes, it's, it's, it's not a lot. No, basically. no. <laughs> we've been talking for 34 minutes. Well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't tell you what my PhD was about. <laughs> no, exactly. What was the PhD about? Um, Riverfish again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about uh, how um, river fish diversity changing over time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it had a lot of side projects eventually, mm-hmm. um, and which eventually we decided to have in the PhD thesis because it made sense. But so one part of it was first to describe uh, diversity of freshwater fish in France and in Europe, but mm-hmm. just from a spatial perspective. Okay. So, you know, like this place is hotter and so you have less of those fish, but also having the functional and phylogenetic diversity. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are the traits? Do we have non-native species and what are the drivers? So it's, it was really like the first part, which is, I would say, really um, classic ecology. And so the the second part was more about how diversity is changing. So those functions and those um this phylogenetic diversity how is it changing over time uh and then the final part was how uh do the processes underlying those um uh, diversity patterns are changing over time mm-hmm. so usually we stick to the to the patterns and here we really wanted to look at the processes which uh, are also the assembly rules so we focused on environmental filtering mm-hmm. which is like the pressure the environment is you know um not the pressure but like how the environment is shaping you your community and so if you have a really harsh environment species have to adjust to that and they're just mm-hmm. going to be so similar because that's the only way they could survive in this environment yeah. um but on the other hand you have also competition that if you're too similar you're going to use the same resources yeah and right. then there is not enough resources for everyone mm-hmm. um and so how this balance between those two processes uh is changing over time that's what we were looking at for uh freshwater fish in france um yeah and so nice yeah that was pretty cool um and that's what got you into this oh no 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 there's a postdoc in between yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um and and then i i went for a a postdoc in the u.s Mm -hmm. which um was a slightly different topic and and which was re- like really cool so it was community ecology and macroecology mm-hmm. so it was at large scale and it was not with freshwater fish yeah <laughs> for <laughs> it, was, it was with amphibians uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and and it, so it was the project was a mix of community ecology macroecology and phylogeography which what, what, what is that which yeah it took me a while to actually figure it out i'm not yeah. sure like i'm gonna give a <laughs> really good definition but my understanding of phylogeography yeah. um is understanding the um spatial uh patterns in genetic diversity mm-hmm. within a species mm-hmm. which can tell you uh basically what happened to this species right so it, it gives you an idea if you had uh different populations that have been isolated for a long time and then you have a secondary contact right all those um within species dynamics mm-hmm. you can actually tell from the genetic structure of the of the different populations mm-hmm. so yeah um that was also a big like um new thing yeah I- and and when i for this job i mean you know you you see like the ad and it's macroecology and you feel kind of okay about that even though not that much but kind of okay mm. and phylogeography and you're like i have no idea what it is it, <laughs> it, it sounds cool but i just don't know anything about yeah. it and so i remember um when i got interviewed by katie who was my um advisor um mm-hmm. I was like, but I'm I'm actually not a phylogeographer. And she said something pretty awesome. She was like, 
oh yeah, and I'm not a macroecologist. So, you know, mm. you're going to be the macroecologist on this project and I'm going to be the phytogeographer and we're going to work as a team. And I thought it was super cool because, Sweet, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, it's your first postdoc and, and you don't necessarily feel super, again, relevant or legitimate. And, and it's like, well, you know, we're actually teammates. And you're mm. like, oh, okay, then uh, I'm into that. So it was actually one of the reasons I went for this postdoc. Um, and because I also thought... I get to choose in some extent what I was going to work on and I still wanted to learn about new things. And so phylogeography was one of them. Mm -hmm. Not that I always dream of, of <laughs> learning and knowing phylogeography, but I, I just wanted to, to to not stay in this like community ecology, like really classical community ecology. I wanted to learn yeah. um, new things and I feel like that's probably something you can do your entire career, but it was yeah. like a really active step towards that, nice. uh, basically for this postdoc, yeah. So. Well done. In in Oklahoma, you, you, so, in, so you, uh, <laughs> you, you went to Oklahoma in 2018. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I went, <laughs> I feel like that's it. <laughs> I went to Oklahoma um, in 2018. Yeah. It was the first time I actually went abroad. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. Which it's you going from a fairly big city in France, Toulouse, um, and 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 you're arriving in this crazy world that is Oklahoma, <laughs> and especially Norman, Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, uh, the the capital is Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. which already tells a lot uh, yep. about the state. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's 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 basically the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. Which um, at first. I mean, I didn't think about it that much at the beginning. I was just like, well, I found a postdoc, which mm. I feel like usually you feel fairly lucky about. And so yeah. you're like, well, no, that's fine. I, I got a postdoc. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was the middle of nowhere, but it gives you, a, I, f I think, a slightly different experience than if you go to New York City or if you go to, you know, California. Mm -hmm where you have those big cities it's 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 a really different dynamics and so where i was it was a bunch of um um students who were not from norman oklahoma because pretty much no one is from it. norman oklahoma yeah. um and so it was also like everyone was really trying to create and build this community because we are all in this together and we know we are not going to spend the rest of our lives here and so in in the meantime we should take care of each other so it was actually really welcoming nice. which um yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, I'm still, you know, in touch with uh, some of the people uh, from from there, and so yeah. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> I'm, I, it's it's like I I wouldn't spend the rest of my life there, but I feel like it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, going back at it. Yeah. Excellent. And then it took you to Oldenburg in 2020. Yeah, which <laughs> which is another experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weather-wise, we got oh, tornadoes yeah. in Oklahoma and. Here we just have bad weather. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Here we just have rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, no. Um, Germany. I, I don't know. Germany felt always a little bit uh, exotic to me for some reason. Not oh. in a tropical way, but just like so different. <laughs> and 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 the more and I don't really know what it is exactly about Germany that makes me feel this way. But uh, since forever, mm -hmm. and then eventually I arrived in Germany. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I really think it, it, like, I don't know. There is like something and I have still a hard time to point on yeah, what, it, yeah, what is exactly um, this about. But it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't have this feeling with Spain or, or with England or mm -hmm. Germany. It's just like different, different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was about to say strange, but strange wouldn't be a good word. It's, it's not in a good or in a bad way. It's just like different, yeah. but uh, more different than I would expect, I guess. And maybe that's why I'm so like, you know, um, aware of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Oldenburg, it actually started in Wilhelmshaven. Yes, you did. Oh, yes. Uh, I forgot about this. Where uh, my actual office is, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I, I probably don't have the key to my own office in, in Wilhelmshaven. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm don't have the key to enter the building anymore. So yeah, the ICBM uh, is split between Oldenburg and uh, Wilhelmshaven. Yes. But yeah, and don't they have also a part in Bremenhaven? Oh, in Bremenhaven? Maybe. I oh, I didn't even know. I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah. M might be. It's a big institute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they have like a, a, 
actually a pretty nice building in room seven um and 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 sometimes when you go to work you see i don't know if there are sea lions or something but it definitely happened to oh, me seals yeah yeah oh yeah seals, seals. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um which you know it's also like i mean it wouldn't be the reason to move to Willem 7, <laughs> but it's also it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. Yeah. It, it happens every <laughs> once in a while and you just go to the office and you see a seal, which, you know, not everyone gets to say that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, no, first it was Willem 7 um, during a pandemic. Um, not speaking German. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> which was a little bit intense. Um, definitely the, the six first month were mm. a little bit harsh. Um, especially in the rainy north of Germany yeah, in the middle and, of a pandemic yeah exactly and and one of the thing when I um, came back to Europe was also well you you know I want to be closer to France where my friends and my family are mm. and then you you are fairly close but there is a pandemic yeah. so it's just like well that's not what I plan really like I really want to see like the people I care about and yeah. so that was a little bit um, yeah the beginning was a little bit harsh and and then moved to Oldenburg, and yeah, I feel like now I'm getting used to it. Yeah, um, nice. You know, um, it, it's yeah. Um. And you've you've other than the the uh, scientific um, main part that we've talked about, you also you, you have a lot of um, experience with mentorship and and teaching. Also, I've read. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you had my CV before. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like for instance charlene fechter who was on the podcast i think in oh episode seven or something um you supervised her yeah on the uh, project yeah so eventually she didn't did her she didn't do her um thesis really on on the project so she mm -hmm. worked on it a little bit which i think was really challenging for her because it was a coding project oh, okay. and she never ever could oh before. yeah okay, right and so we had like this kind of uh, super intensive um, art classes. Yeah. So I think it was like for two weeks or I don't know, don't really remember, but where it was really, really intense. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's like always, you know, I, I've been spending the last few years coding with R. So for me, it's really straightforward. Like, oh yeah, just remove this row. And I go, mm -hmm. yeah, you just do that, this and that and end of the story. Yeah. And you have to remember that it's actually a process and you actually learn all of that um and so yeah it's it's um sometimes yeah um i tend to forget it, it is a yeah. process uh and but yeah um yeah I've, I've been mentoring some people also in the in the u.s uh phds as well or no so i at some point and especially with the um, so this paper we talked about um at the beginning yeah yeah the, uh, the, on the extinction debt yeah and yeah. on, on the Likes and, and stuff. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to do was to get fundings to get a PhD student to work on follow-ups mm -hmm. on, on that. Because then, you know, for now it's just species richness, but you could include functional traits, you could mm -hmm. include uh, the drivers, you could look at better diversity, you could look at... So there are a bunch of things you can do with that. Yeah. And I just don't have the time because actually <laughs> Dynacom is hiring me not to work on this project, yeah. but to work on their yep. project, which is like normal and fair and expected but so at some point i i um started to think about um try to find money for a potential phd student mm -hmm. and it is actually a nightmare to find money uh to fund a phd student when you're a postdoc oh, yeah, okay. which i guess makes sense because you're not in a permanent position mm -hmm. and so it's um you know who's gonna actually actually handle the money and so on like it i guess from the admin perspective it's kind of a nightmare for a postdoc to be yeah I guess. in charge yeah like with the um admin part but so no yeah never never got a pg student mm. but i don't know if i'm really ready to get a pg student <laughs> like you know like so if you're not ready then i am definitely not ready are you getting a pg student no no, I'm, well. no not yet <laughs> and not 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 now knowing how hard it is <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I, it's, I, I feel like I've heard stories where some people eventually hate academia because their yeah. PhD experience was terrible. Yeah, exactly, yes. And sometimes it, it comes down to not that much, like, bad communication with the advisor or, like, or I don't, it's not like a crazy thing happened, right? And so it's like, well, I don't feel like I can take the responsibility of that for some reason you know and and yeah. 
And I know that sometimes I'm also a little bit cynical. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And so it's just like, I'm not sure. Like, um, yeah, maybe like, you'll grow into it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, and and yeah. I think it would be uh, fun in some extent. But yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe waiting a little bit. And do you uh, like you've you've also done some some lecturing and and graduate and undergraduate assistance in in different courses? Do you enjoy that? Or what's the experience there? So it was mostly during my PhD, and um, the fun, not that fun part, is uh, it, the first classes I've been teaching, I never had them as a student. Mm -hmm. And so it was really things that I didn't really know about. Like, And so, like, the first, oh my gosh, my first lecture was the worst ever in the world. So it was <laughs> not a lecture, it was like the, like, I don't know how you call them, like the practicals? Like, yeah, 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 the um, tutoring? Practical tutoring? Yeah, maybe? when it's yeah. like basically it's not like the entire like yeah. um, like class. It's just like 30 students at a time. Yeah. Um, and so you have to give like, so it was like an hour and a half. And you have to give, I think it was like 45 minutes of a talk about mm. the, the, and then they had um, jars with different animals in it, right? And yeah. they would look at them and observe them and ask you questions. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, Basically, the entire semester was, uh, it was like the animal biology or zoology, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it would start at 7.45 in the morning, oh. which just like, it's it's basically eight, but it's, from, it's just like it starts with a seven and you're like, oh, I'm not ready, it's way too early. <laughs> and then mine was actually on parasites and human parasites. Oh. So it's like 7.45, it's your first class, you're super anxious. Those people are like, they basically were like one or two years younger than me. Yeah. So you also you definitely like feel like you shouldn't be like the teacher more than they should, right? And yeah. So it doesn't make sense. And then you have all these parasites and you have to show those awful pictures and you're like, what am I doing? Like, <sighs> no, that's not okay. <laughs> it feels so <laughs> off. Um, so yeah, that was my first teaching experience. Wonderful. Uh, Didn't enjoy it that much somehow. <laughs> Didn't sound like it. Um, and then I had to do it again like the same day, but in the afternoon, which was slightly better, I guess. Okay. Uh, but um, so those classes were actually not that fun. I, I mean, and they're really, you know, they have to learn a bunch of things by heart. And, and that's not really yeah. interesting actually by itself, I feel. Yeah. But then like one class I really, really enjoyed teaching was the... Um, or class statistics, uh, yeah. and statistics yeah. so which is a little bit challenging also because uh, usually you have students who went in the biology um, um, thing mm -hmm. uh, because they didn't want to do math they didn't want to do uh, any coding whatsoever mm. and so biology but they still like had this scientific way and so biology was like the kind of easiest usually mm. and so you arrive and you're like well today we're gonna code and we're gonna do statistics and so <laughs> usually they're kind of like no not really um so that's yeah that, that that's a little bit more challenging yeah. but also because i know my way around and i like it it, it goes like eventually it goes fairly well if you find like those small tricks that you get the students really into mm -hmm. so like the super easy one is like I remember when i told them they could change like the colors of the dots when they're plotting things <laughs> yeah. and i was like well if you type on google our color you go for the first pdf and here are all the colors you can get yeah and they were so into it everyone <laughs> started to really enjoy it and be like oh actually we can do that and that and i was like yeah and And, you know, at first, like, you call your models, like, model model one, model two, and so on. Mm. I was like, well, actually, it's just a name. Just call it unicorn if you want to. And they're like, oh, we can do that? And you're like, yeah, you can do that. Like, And so then you you start to see them, like, getting really into it and 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 not being scared or annoyed about it. And mm -hmm. so it's actually pretty, like, yeah, you know, also, fun. yeah, and, and, yeah. and fairly rewarding, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Um, yeah, no, it, it was a class a class that I actually really enjoyed teaching. Nice. Uh, kind of missed that, um, but yeah. So with all that, what's next for you? What do you think? I don't know. So um, <laughs> I had like a, I wouldn't say a life crisis, but kind of uh, cool. a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm actually pretty positive about it. But it, so it was just... Um, Like the big question was, do I want to stay and, and stick to academia? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like for me, from the very beginning, the end goal was to get, uh, you know, uh, a permanent position, mm -hmm. professorship whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Um, and then the, m the more it goes, the more I'm like, well, 
there are other things than yeah. being a professor, yes. which is cool. But also, I feel a lot of people I've talked to are saying, well, you know, this imposter syndrome you're having now, mm. it actually sticks to you for your entire career. Don't think it's, no. you know, and, and also, oh, you think you don't have time to write your papers, wait to be a permanent uh, in a permanent position because then you will have to get fundings and mm. you will have to advise people and then you won't do as much research yeah. as you're doing now and you're like but i already don't have time so mm. like no um like yeah. and, and and so i i do like the job but I, and it's also all this um kind of pressure to publish mm-hmm that I'm too lazy and so it doesn't work on me. I'm like, well, you know, if I don't want to work, like leave me alone. I'm not, I know some people are really able to push through it and, and just like work all the time and on weekends and, mm. but no, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's actually a good thing that I'm lazy because yeah. I, I definitely won't go uh, through a burnout because of this, but it's yeah. still like, I can still feel it, right? So I feel like those um, last few years, I couldn't, I was not super motivated and so it was hard for me to get papers out mm-hmm. as a first author which i feel like by me it's actually all right like i'm fine with it yeah but then on my cv if i apply to a job it's like well what happened for the last five years and you can you can play the pandemic a little bit right mm. like you can always go this way but it's like well yeah but uh from your first postdoc from my first postdoc i still can get my paper out mm. which for is for other reasons but you know and 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 even this postdoc um the paper we talked about uh, at the beginning is yeah. like my first paper, even though I arrived in 2020. So, okay, there was a pandemic, but uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you have a lot in prep. There's like billions of papers yeah, that so, you have yeah, in prep. Which is, which is kind of my problem. Uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, I've been also involved in, in other papers, right? Yeah. Where I'm not yeah. a first author. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do have all those papers in, in prep. Uh, and, and that's one of my problem. I think Helmut actually was kind of really helpful with that like saying well no you stop with all those things in parallel like you focus on this one when i arrived here because when i arrived here in the dynacom project it was like oh we could work on that 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 and that mm. and he was like oh yeah we could yeah. but at some point like there are some priority and you need to pick one and stick to that and yes. we'll see about the other ones and yeah. so now i'm a little bit better at it but so all of that you know again i'm i, I don't feel bad about not publishing so which is good i guess in some yeah. extent yes but on my cv it's still there or, or not there actually and so yeah. uh it's i'm like do i really want to try to catch up to mm. get all those papers that uh some people who are my age i mean i know some people who are like, not my age, like academic age let's yeah. say yeah. um they got fundings from the equivalent of the dfg the mm. several times they got uh like papers in like crazy journals i mean i'm competing with those people for jobs yeah there is literally no way uh i'm actually uh be able to get a job if they're they are there and i mean it's good for them but it's like well you know uh academia is not the only way and it took me a really long time to be okay with this idea that it's not failure to just like drop academia and i feel like academia is really resentful Mm. once you leave it it's really actually really hard to come back right like yeah and so some of my friends were like oh but just like take a break from academia and come back after you're like no that's that's not how it works so Mm. that and i think that's why a lot of people are waiting the very last moment and like you know the burnout moment to leave because when you know once you leave you leave and that's it there is no coming back from that right um and so i was like yeah i don't know i mean if you leave academia it was it was my plan there was no plan b there was plan academia (laughs) like (laughs) um and now i'm a little bit more well, it's actually fine to not stick to academia. Uh, there are, I mean, most people are not in academia. They're pretty happy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so like right now it's kind of, um, I'm still like trying to figure it out, to be honest. And it's just, it's it's definitely a process. I'm lucky enough that I have the time at least until this phase of Dynacom is done, right? Mm-hmm. Which is until like 2025. Yeah. So it's still like a little bit more than two years. Yeah. Um, and so... It's it's actually pretty good because I have time to figure out what I want to do, what I need to do to get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still have this, you know, um, from like uh, a material perspective. Like I'm yeah. not worried, like I'm not going to be able to pay my rent or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I still have the time to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so um, 
long story short <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i don't think i want to keep going with the postdocs it's it's yeah it's a fun thing and i and i really loved my two experiences as a postdoc it was really different and i i've learned a lot of things from that but definitely but, yeah yeah good uh, skill set y yeah <laughs> um but yeah there are other things and um you know again like now i'm like oh i actually want to go back to france and uh i don't really want to you know move around for my job all the time which is also like something we're asking um academics like, yeah. yeah to the postdocs to do mm. and you're like well is is this job is actually worth like all of that mm. you know it's it's, it's i mean and it can be which is definitely fine but yeah. i feel like for me i'm at this moment where i'm like i don't think it is actually yeah. um And no, it's so su super helpful that you're voicing this. Like, it's not often heard this side of academia, and that you have such a such a uh, I, I would say uh, objective view on on academia of the job you're in is is yeah. helpful to hear for others. I think as well. Yeah, and 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 I feel like for me, yeah, what really took me a long time is to come at peace with the idea that not being a professor, it's, yeah. it's actually not failure. Yeah. It's it's fine. Exactly. It's, like, it's more than fine. And, and but it's just like, since you, you know, um, during your PhD, it's like, oh, did you get a postdoc already at the end? And so it's just like assuming you're going to go for a postdoc and then like, oh, do you find your next postdoc? Are you applying for grants? Are you getting mm -hmm. your papers out and stuff? And it's all like everything going towards this idea. You have to get a permanent position, even though we know Not everyone will get one. It's mm -hmm. just like, you know, we have more and more PhD students, which I think is amazing and great. But the number of positions is not keeping up with that. Mm. So obviously you're increasing the number of PhD students, potentially postdocs. Yeah. But then you don't have the positions for them. So it's like, well, actually it's not just, fa I mean, if it's a failure, it's not from our side mm -hmm. at all. It's just governments and, and institutions not like, yep. you know, being helpful to and, and supportive of, their um community actually and very, so very uh, true yeah um but yeah it, I, it, it's definitely kind of a process to yeah again come yeah. at peace with this idea of well academia might not be the plan a anymore and yeah. it's fine yeah uh, exactly it's, it's fine and 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 so i remember actually um during a workshop when i was in the u.s which was about how do you leave academia it was not phrased this way it was way better <laughs> <laughs> uh, but But basically, that was kind of the idea. And there was this woman, and she was telling us, well, you've learned so much during your PhD. It was mostly for PhD students. You've learned so many skills and, and soft, like, like your actual skills, but soft skills mm -hmm. you have no idea of. And so she, like one of the tasks was to pick one of the things we do kind of on a daily basis. Not daily, but like, so for instance, like writing a paper, running an experiment, going to a conference, preparing a talk. Mm. uh advising someone all of all of that or mentoring um so if you take a paper so she was like oh so what do you need to do first and you would have to do the list of all the things because you don't write a paper in an hour right yeah. like yes. as, as good as you can be like, it takes a while so first you have to read papers you have to uh frame your paper then you actually have to write it in a proper way and and so on and she was like well so you know it's about being able to make uh first of all to find information mm -hmm. then to uh make this synthesis about what has been done before how do you put your own research in that mm. and so it's like all those soft skills yeah which i feel like before it's kind of obvious now that i know it but before she said it i was like oh actually that's true and it's, it's a lot of skills yeah um and 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 it's the same with coding oh you don't know how to do something well you still know how to look for it exactly which is actually an amazing skill if you go to a company i'm pretty sure if you say well yeah that's true i actually don't know how to do it but i've been spending the last like three years learning how to learn and how to where to find the information i need exactly it's actually like a crazy crazy skill and and yeah. and because in academia is assumed that we all know how to do that You know, we, we just pretend it's like normal, mm -hmm. but it's just amazing. And at some point I feel like we should like <laughs> say it again. And so um, as a PhD student, as a postdoc, you're learning all of that. Mm -hmm. And 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 yeah, and, and I thought it was a really, really good workshop to just be aware of it and yeah. a bit more like, oh, actually, I'm not doing that bad. Great. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was actually like a, a good thing. But yeah, and, and then you're like, uh, she was saying, 
all the skills, once you are really aware of them, you should like, you know, um, kind of sell yourself based on that because it's actually really valuable outside of academia. Exactly. And, 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 and because we are just like, trained to think it's only about academia mm -hmm. we don't really realize what's valuable outside okay. of academia yeah. um but i thought it was a, a pretty cool workshop because of that yeah and that uh, you're saying it now is is even more valuable yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, <laughs> thank you very much for this <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah i don't know we'll see if it's yeah. academia or not probably not but uh more know. power to you if it's not yeah it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see yeah yeah but, uh yeah cool so with that we're at the end Is there anything um, that we've missed that you want to say um, that you want to add? No, I think no. I think we covered it all. We said like we did. French wine was the, <laughs> the best one, that Laosha <laughs> was the best city and uh, academia is not like the only way. So Perfect. I feel like it's like the so, three big takeaways. Yeah, the three main takeaways. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say that's that, yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, Lucy. Thank you, Jan. <laughs> and see you all later. Want to dive deeper? Surf over to hifmb.de or follow us on Twitter at hifmb underscore ol.